Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. An 80s middle schooler performs as Boy George in a life-changing lip-syncing contest. What it really was, was Boy George's music giving me the freedom to be who I was in front of a whole auditorium full of junior high school students, and it was okay. I think the impact that Boy George had on me was overwhelming. That notion of being unabashedly yourself, he led a whole lot of people through the 80s and changed their lives. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sonic Impact. Hello, Olivia. Hi, Dad. Welcome to our fourth episode. This is one of my favorite stories of the season, Boy George. It's a great one. It really is. But before we get into today's story, we always like to start with current Sonic Impacts. And usually current means Olivia's Sonic Impact, right? Yeah. Because you're the one who's always going to concerts all the time, seeing really cool artists. This weekend, you went to the Hollywood Bowl to see... I went to the Hollywood Bowl to see Rex Orange County. It was a fantastic show. It was particularly special because I woke up to a text from you that said, Sophia's going to the Rex show tonight, who is my stepsister. And I was like, oh my God. So my best friend and I spent all day getting tickets. How were your seats? They were really quite good. The Hollywood Bowl is fantastic. I hadn't been in so long. Because you've been out of the state for a while. You haven't really gone to the Hollywood Bowl in years, I guess. Yeah. I mean, since I've started my big concert run, I haven't really been in LA at all. So for the audience who doesn't know Rex Orange County, I know some of his songs, but tell us a few of his songs and then tell us about the concert. I knew every song because he just has so many great songs. It's kind of hard to put him in a genre. It's like feel good alternative pop rock he recently came out with this album who cares which was superb and seeing those songs live for the first time was just really cool he's a great performer has so much energy he just has a really unique voice i think that's one of my favorite things about him he's incredibly talented i try and play his songs on guitar and i can't the chords are too hard and he's (laughs) playing like all the instruments with also an incredible band So, Olivia, what would you say are Rex's biggest songs for the grown-ups here who may not know him by name? I think, objectively, his best song is probably Pluto Projector. I mean, it's just like a beautiful, beautiful love song. And he came out and played that for the encore and did a whole firework show with it at the bowl. Other than Pluto Projector, probably Best Friend, Sunflower, and Loving is Easy. And I've listened to Rex, and I really do like the vibe of his songs, and his voice is kind of cool. I don't know how to describe it. I think that is one of his most defining characteristics is his voice, because I think it's really unconventional, and like, but a very interesting and good voice. So does he write, play instruments, sing, all of it? Yeah. 
A lot of people think that like Rex Orange County is a band, but it's just this guy. Okay, wait, I'm looking at Spotify now. Known for his literature, quirky brand of bedroom pop that combines jazz, hip hop, and soul influences. Uh, yeah, you can really hear the jazz and the soul. I thought that was an interesting mix. Well, speaking of jazz and soul, I'm going to make the connection to today's artist, and that is Boy George and his band Culture Club. Now, Olivia, I'm not sure you knew anything about Boy George when we started this. I don't know if you knew his music at all, but I think now you do. Yeah, I didn't know him at all, but when I looked it up, I recognized the album cover for an old record that you had given me. That's right. I have the Culture Club album, right? Yeah. I think that just goes to show that it definitely stands out, and he definitely stands out. So what I learned about Boy George is that he was the lead singer of this band, Culture Club, who was a very influential band in the 80s. And Boy George specifically was super influential because he was one of the first gender fluid stars to be in the mainstream media. And it's kind of hard for me to imagine that now because we have so many queer people in the media and so much representation. But I can imagine that putting on female clothing and wearing makeup and crazy accessories, that was very shocking at the time. In the 80s, it wasn't sort of accepted to be out. And there were a lot of these British artists who were sort of winking at it, but no one was really going to that extreme. People were wearing makeup and dyeing their hair, but Boy George literally dressed in drag. He called himself a drag queen. Obviously, the times have changed now with RuPaul and Drag Race, but at the time, this was shocking for America. Yeah, I could definitely tell how influential he was by just being himself. The thing about it now, it seems sort of tame, but to remember at the time, this band was incredibly popular, incredibly groundbreaking. I mean, the songs, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me, Karma Chameleon, these were songs that were really popular. The videos stood out and they made you stand up and go, wow, who is this guy? And really, as we'll see from our story, had a major impact on a lot of young men's lives. And that leads to our story today of a young man named Drew Tappan. Now, Drew has now gone on to be a very successful television producer and executive. He currently is the head of unscripted programming for the OWN Network, Oprah Winfrey's network. But he's had a storied career. One of his first big jobs was at MTV, and he loves 80s British pop. So this story finds a young Drew at 13 years old as he's trying to figure out who he is, and he decides in middle school to do a lip sync contest as Boy George. This is Boy George's sonic impact on a young Drew Tappan. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today on Sonic Impact, I have my good old friend, Drew Tappan. Drew, I'm so thrilled you're here. Thanks for joining. 
I'm so happy to be here. I prefer you not call me old, but that's fine. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So tell me, Drew, growing up, how music hit you as a young boy. I grew up in Rochester, New York, like Canada, New York. Music was really important in our house. My mom is very into music and would test us and be like, who's this? And as I moved into that formative period, we had a bit of a moratorium on music in our house. We had moved into an evangelical Christian community and popular music was not really okay. Mm. I had the piano music for Thriller and it was confiscated at the school because the lyrics were not acceptable. It made music all that more the forbidden fruit for me. Really? So is it the community, your family? Like It's like Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like Beaumont. The community that we were a part of really frowned upon popular music. They thought they were super sexual and they thought they were inappropriate for young people. My parents still let me listen to the radio and it became like fuel for me, like Dexie's Midnight Runners, Come On Eileen. I didn't know what that song meant, but I knew it probably was something kind of dirty. And when it would come on the radio, I'd be like, turn it up. So. And I guess Frankie Goes to Hollywood must have also had a big impact on you. Frankie Goes to Hollywood had a huge impact. British, and it was fashion forward with the big Frankie Says Relax shirts. I was drawn to it without knowing why I was drawn so to it. So tell me sure. sort of in high school where you were personally. From fourth grade until seventh grade, I was in this evangelical born-again church and school. But when it got to seventh grade, they put me back into public school. So that was eighth grade, which was like 1984. So it was kind of like going into a whole new environment and getting to kind of reinvent myself. You know, when I was 13, like I didn't know who I was going to be, but I was stoked to be meeting new people, listen to music. And I remember very early on, I went with my dad to my very first concert, which was Rick Springfield with Corey Hart opening for him <laughs> because Corey Hart had just come out with sunglasses at night. And it was mostly 13-year-old girls there screaming. And I was like, this is amazing. I've never been to a concert. I bought the t-shirt. I wore the t-shirt to school the next day. Yeah. There was all girls wearing the t-shirt. You were the cool guy, obviously, at that point. I was the furthest thing so, from the cool guy. Obviously. What point did that whole British invasion MTV thing hit you as you're trying to figure out who you it, are? We didn't have MTV in our house. My neighbors had MTV. It was all about the access to The Cure, Culture Club, George Michael. It was like, oh my God, this whole world opened up. And it gave me that ability to branch off from what everyone in my class was listening to and be like, I've got my own cool stuff. I'm going to let my hair get long. I'm going to get a tail. I'm going to be really special. The music that you're starting to be drawn to at this period has sort of themes going through it. And you, at this point, don't really realize that you have an attraction to that. Can you sort of talk about that? The music that I found myself consuming and fascinated by was everything that was different. And while I didn't have a word for that difference, a lot of it was gay. Because it's different and it spoke to being the outsider, not for one second did I have the consciousness to say, it's because I'm different. It was that I was just, I like different things. And I didn't have a word for being gay at that age. But you didn't even know you were gay. 
there were people calling me names and telling me I was gay from when I was in kindergarten. The voice, the speaking patterns, you know, answering the phone, like, is this the woman of the house? But I never even connected those words and those insults to being like, oh, that's because you're gay until a friend told me when I was 15, to be honest with you. So, you the other yeah. part of it, though, is that a lot of the music and the MTV bands there was also sort of a feminine makeup, hair, fashion. That was very different than America. I had a poster on my wall of Nick Rhodes from Duran Duran with the red hair and the makeup. I was fascinated by this. Now, if you ask me today, I should have had Simon LeBon or John Taylor on my wall. They were much more <laughs> handsome. But I love that Nick Rhodes was, he's so cool. He's so different. And there was one kid at my school. He was not out necessarily because we weren't using that term yet, but he had the dyed hair and he got just torn apart. And I was like, that is so cool. It's a much different world today. Like this is 30 plus years ago. Gay was not sort of acceptable. People didn't talk about it. Even at MTV, they weren't saying that that Wham or Frankie Goes to Hollywood was gay. So looking back at that point, it was so innocent in a way. Now you see in the way that the world has changed Forget about just being gay, but like inclusion of everyone and everything is so important, representation. But like in terms of being gay, it was like, oh, that's strange. I wouldn't know what that is. So let's set the scene. You're in eighth grade. You're trying to figure out who you are. You don't know that you're gay. And MTV and British music is everywhere. And you discover someone named Culture Club and Boy George. I thought they were fun and they were different. And they were so unique. And I'll be really honest, like when Do You Really Want to Hurt Me came out, I was actually kind of scared. I was actually kind of afraid of him. I didn't know what to think about Boy George. Like, whoa, he's strange. And it was a weird song. And like the video was a little eerie. Because he took it to a new level from all these other artists. He was dressing like a woman, a yep. whole different world. 100%. And unabashedly, like you could go back now and look at the articles that came out around him. And People Magazine treated him like a freak show. And there was something about him that I'm like, wow, he is really something. And that leads into the story. So I'm new at school. I, I was totally an outsider. You try to make friends with people. That's cool. But in 1984, there was a giant trend, and it was called lip syncing. It's the junior high school lip sync competition. I, I saw a sign, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's like calling out to me. And I thought of it as like, people will know me. They'll see me for the cool guy that I really am. Have you found Boy George Howe at this point, just on MTV, or are you like a huge fan? I definitely had his poster. I had the record. I knew every song backward and forward. This was before I had Nick Rhodes hanging on well, my wall. What's so wall, amazing, honest, he's dude. speaking to you somehow very loud and clear, exactly. but Drew isn't getting exactly. really the signal. The siren song of Boy George and Culture Club is in my life, and the lip sync comes to you, I'm like, oh, like, what a great idea. You're going to sing a Boy George song. That's going to be perfect. Again, there's a very sweet naivete to what happened. Because I didn't understand anything about being ashamed. I was excited. I'm going to go. I'm going to pick the best song. And you know what? The best song isn't even like Karma Chameleon or Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? I'm going to go to like their least popular single. It's a miracle. 
I'm like, this is going to be so great. You didn't even do the hit song. You did like the third track on the album. Like the fourth single, the one that rated the lowest on the whole album. Like, again, my 13-year-old brain just never caught on. I didn't know shame, like I said. So let's let's do this. So I drove my bike to Faze Drugstore over by the Waring Theater, bought Maybelline makeup. I made my own costume. I got yarn for hair, and I had this old baggy hat. I had these weird green sweatpants that my great aunt given me. I'm like, they'd be perfect for this. And a bathrobe. And I'm like, I'm going to be so cool. And everyone's going to love me. This is going to be awesome. Was it great? Like, looking back, is the costume just amazing now? The costume's amazing that I had no shame. Because now, if my kids... I'd be like, ah, let's talk about this for a minute. (laughs) And I know my parents. My parents have always been so supportive and loving. And I'm sure they were like, like biting their hand. Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I think I know what I'm doing. So it's a miracle because I'm doing it's a miracle and it's going to be awesome. And they had to play it off a goddamn record player. They played it off a sound system on a record player. Oh, my God. That's how this went. And so I got up there and I was ready to show Eastridge Junior High what Drew Tappen was made of. And it didn't play out the way that I thought it was going to play out. No. So it was not well received is what you're saying? That beautiful, blissful unawareness. I certainly thought that I would definitely win the cash prize and they'd be carrying me on their shoulders. I did not place. I was not in the top three. I will tell you that. And there was this moment on stage where I'm like, why isn't everyone cheering? There was polite clapping. And I was like, they just don't know real talent when they (laughs) They see it. Today, that would have been a massive hit. Oh, I mean, grown-ups are doing this? For sure. But I got off the stage and I was like, bummed out because in the movie fantasy in my head, this was like how Drew becomes the most popular guy at school and like everything's Mm. different. And it really went quite the other way. It wasn't like Monday morning, I walked in and people were like, you loser, blah, blah, blah. But there was a lot of whispering. There was a lot of blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, what's the problem? When you were on stage and doing it, did it feel, though, amazing to be able to express yourself? I'm performing. I love music. I love Boy George. This is all so awesome. I can legitimately remember my friend did Ario Speedwagon. I can't fight this feeling. My friend Becky did She Bop by Cindy Lauper. Like, and I was like, they're fine. They're not as good as me. <laughs> it obviously didn't work for the moment, but for you on a personal level, what did it mean to you? At the moment, I don't think that I had the awareness or the emotional intelligence. But what it really was, was Boy George's music giving me the freedom to be who I was in front of a whole auditorium full of junior high school students. And it was okay. And trust me, it was not fun for a while after that. And that stayed with me all through high school as I became more of just who I am. A lot of people were like, do you remember in eighth grade when you were Boy George? And I was like, you remember that? I'm like, I've kind of blocked that. I don't want to think about that. I'm like, it made a mark. Yeah. It made a mark on me without realizing it, and it made a mark on other people without me realizing it. So music, especially music like Boy George and Culture Club and what he did, had a huge impact on this. In a way, discovering Boy George woke something in you on a bigger level, not just the music and the dress, but that you realized you were gay. And I, I wanted to ask you, do you think it was Boy George and this moment that sort of had a big role in that? 
I think that Boy George had a huge impact on my life. And I don't think that I realized it. I think I can look back at it and say, oh, my God, that was like a total key moment for me. I had two more years before I actually had the words to go with what my feelings were. Like it hit me at 15. A friend sat me down and was like, I think I know why you're set right now. You know, I think that, you know, you're dating Donna, but I think you really have feelings for Paul. Like a light switch went off and I was like, oh, I'm dressed as Boy George. I'm on stage. I'm really into musical theater. Like everything all kind of came together. And the music piece is huge. It's totally like I've seen from a movie where you every piece of the puzzle, like memento just comes together and you're like, oh my God. It's almost like someone had to say it to me. And I was like, oh, duh. Yeah. Like, this is finally something after 15 years that actually makes sense. Yeah. And it all, like, you're right, like memento. It's like the pieces all suddenly fit together. And I was like, there you go. That's the floodgates must have opened literally when you have that realization. And then you can live freely and live the authentic you. Even though I was never deliberately being deceitful. Yeah. You've heard a lot of stories about people who are gay and they'll, they'll date women to be like, oh, I just have to date women. I'm like, well, I just, I'm okay. That's a friend. I mean, we're going to date. It's going to be fun. Well, looking back, I don't think probably a lot of straight guys would have done Culture Club and dressed up like him. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. <laughs> what would have happened if you hadn't discovered MTV and Boy George? I mean, I'm sure it would have all, but, but it really did play a role in it. A huge role. A huge yeah. role. And it stayed through. And I think for my parents, I think that this moment was a big moment too. Your relationship with Boy George after this, once you became gay and sort of where did your life with Boy George as part of that come together? Boy George went through a real change. Mm -hmm. Like we had the big hits and then things got super dark and drug addiction. And I was really able to be like, that's not me. Ugh, I'm not like that. And I realized as I got older that so much of my internalized homophobia was projected against him. Because I know this is a strange thing, but like a lot of gay guys are really homophobic. Wow. I have no interest in dressing in drag. That's not for me. I certainly was happy to do it for the lip sync competition, but that's not my thing. And for a long time, I was like, yeah, that's a different kind of gay. That's not my kind of like preppy gay or alternative, you know, long hair gay, like, and I think what was fascinating was as Boy George had his resurgence and got his addictions under control and became a little more palatable to the masses again, I realized that I had thrown him away, even though he was the one who helped me come mm. out and helped me realize who I was. And it was a little after college that I finally was like, this guy is the greatest. And what he did in 1983 was the coolest, most adventurous adult thing I've ever seen. And again, remember, young people, there was no RuPaul's Drag Race. There was no RuPaul yet. Yep. He put himself out there. It was not a marketing stunt to, like, sell an album. This is who he was. He led a whole lot of people through the 80s and changed their lives. Just thinking about, can you imagine how many Drew Tappins there are out there, young kids in the 80s who had never seen or heard anything like this that opened their eyes and, oh, I didn't realize I could be open with, or I didn't even realize what this was and I'm attracted to this. When you think about in the history of rock and roll music, it's one of the more groundbreaking moments. A hundred percent. And yes, you could absolutely go back further and see Elvis and you can see James Brown and you can see Little Richard. They all have their own 
ways of being vanguards. But boy, George, holy crow, he really stood up for what he believed in. He didn't give a fuck what anyone else thought of him. And he became this kind of patron saint of the underdog, not even necessarily of the gays, just people who didn't fit in and didn't belong. And it is an honor to have been influenced by him, honestly, which is what's so amazing about my adult life now. It's so. beautiful. And and people don't know you. You have children now. You're married. You know, you've- yeah, I've been with my husband for 19 years now. I've got twins who are going to be 13 this year. And my life is very, very different than I ever expected. I never thought I'd have kids. I never thought it was going to be possible. And again, I'm not saying that's what anyone has to do, but he opened that door. So, Drew, this story has taken lots of amazing turns, but I think the capper is this for you came to a culmination when you were working at A&E and you got to finally meet Boy George. Tell me what that moment was like for you. We had heard that Jeff Jenkins, who's an incredible producer, he's like, I want to bring in a very special piece of talent to you. And I'm like, yeah, sure, whoever you want. And then I found out it was Boy George. And I literally didn't know what to do with myself. I was so excited, but I could not believe that I was going to get to be in a room with him. Surreal. I didn't even realize until I was sitting with him. I was overcome with emotion because he was amazing and handsome and funny and clever and sarcastic and everything you would expect Boy George to be. I kept thinking, oh my God, this is so great. But I was able to tell him, Elliot, the 13-year-old story of me and the awkward kid who made a costume out of yarn and green sweatpants and a bathrobe and Maybelline makeup from Faye's Drugstore and how I was so proud that I could be an acolyte of his. I'm not going to speak for him. He may have thought it was a ridiculous thing. But he posed for a picture with me. And that's like a prized possession now. Just knowing that I got to tell him. When you have a story like that, that means something that really stays with you for 30 years, 30 years from when I had done this lip sync. And to be able to tell that story and be like, you didn't realize it, but you affected a 13-year-old boy in Rochester, New York. It was an amazing gift he gave me, and I was grateful that I could tell him what it meant. Do you remember what he said? Yeah, he was very, very touched by it. There was never a moment where I lacked his authenticity. It felt very sincere, and all I wanted to do was be like, can I have your email so we can stay in touch? And you can't really do that when you're in a network. It's a little gross to be like, yeah, let's let's be friends. This will be cool. So looking back on your life and your experience with Boy George, how do you sum up what his impact has been on you, your life, who you are? I think the impact that Boy George had on me was so overwhelming and even more so that I didn't know it at the time. That notion of being different, marching to the beat of your own drummer, being unabashedly yourself is a lesson that no one can teach you. That only comes from celebrities that, you know, like your older brother is not going to teach that to you. Your high school teacher isn't going to teach that to you. You're going to learn that from life and you're going to see that in famous people. And he did that before it was cool. He did that decades ahead of the rest of the world. I'm forever indebted to him for for being who he was. And brave. Brave and brazen. I mean, he was like out there with his shit. Something to see. Drew Tappan, I can't thank you enough. 
you're an amazing person, you're an amazing guest. And to share these vulnerable times in your life, I know it brings up a lot and good end and maybe otherwise, but I really do appreciate you coming and opening up. I am so honored to be asked and you are such a sweet, kind friend. And I know who to go to for my 80s uh, sing-alongs. Well, that was Drew Tappan and Boy George. And there is so much to unpack in this story. I absolutely love it. I have to say this is a very different story than many this season, but really memorable, funny, beautiful, and really impacted this teenager's life more than most. Yeah. And at the same time, it's really funny. He's so funny. And I just love the part about him not caring and really going into this thinking he was going to own it. He was (laughs) going to kill it. He was going to become the popular kid. It's so relatable. Everyone goes through middle school angst and trying to figure out who they are on top of not understanding your sexuality at that time. But to go out and wear makeup and to do this big drag routine with the song that no one even knew. And a school full of people that you don't know. In a conservative school full of people you don't know. Yeah, it's kind of making me think about how we all used to once live with that complete lack of awareness of how others thought of us and just didn't care. And I think that celebrities are really, really key to those lost moments sometimes. A lot of kids really don't know who they are and just having these celebrity influences, people to look up to who are so confident and talented can really be inspiring for a young kid. It wasn't just some great singer. This affected him so deeply. He didn't even know how much it impacted him that to come out a couple of years later to realize that he was gay and to realize that that was the moment. Boy, George really touched him. And you could tell from this story that when he meets him at the end, he has kids now, he's married, and that this guy, this artist spoke to him in a way maybe unknowingly. I just had a thought about the way that this went and because it went poorly, he probably could have really gotten really down on himself and kind of like suppressed his sexuality and who knows what could have happened as a result of that. And so it makes me so happy that even though he was a young kid who could have been traumatized by the response he got, he just owned it. And in the way that he saw boy George just being fully himself, I think he probably gave him a space to do the same. And I think this story is relatable to every teenager, right? Everyone is going through their identity crisis. I don't care what era it is. I don't care what decade it is. You had this. We all have had it. And then be able to sit with the guy and to tell him what had happened, what he had meant to him. It was so touching and so beautiful. And you could see it all coming full circle for Drew's life. I can't believe he told him this story. I really hope he appreciated that. You know, the other thing about this show, Olivia, that I'm really seeing, though a lot of people we're talking to are in the entertainment industry and have big jobs, these stories have nothing to do with their place in the industry. These are these really innocent moments before they were in the business, before they were adults often, this music just changed the path of their life. That's what's so powerful and wonderful about these stories. Yeah, and about music in general. It's just a force that unites people and affects everyone. And you don't have to pursue it for a living to be affected by music. It is truly the universal language. I also have to say I've known Drew a long time. He's a great storyteller. He's hilarious. And just the way he tells this story, it's a totally out of a movie. It's right out of a teenage John Hughes comedy that you could see this happening. It's perfectly written, yeah. 
So, Olivia, you had never heard Culture Club before, Boy George. You've never seen the videos. What did you think of it hearing it all these years later? Honestly, I love it. I have a sweet spot in my heart for the 80s sound. I love that quintessential 80s, and this sounds very much like that. It's obviously kind of cheesy and over the top, but it's honestly a bop. A bop. (laughs) So now, Olivia, that you've seen the videos and you've seen Boy George in drag, what do you think? I think he's an icon. I think he looks amazing. I think he's really brave for doing that at the time. I think it's ridiculous, but in a great way. Yeah, I definitely want to listen to more of their music. So I want to thank our great guest, Drew Tappen, for bringing this story and being so open and vulnerable about his experience. And a shout out to Boy George, who really did speak to a lot of young people at the time who were trying to figure out their sexuality. Yeah, coming out nowadays can be extremely, extremely difficult. I can't even imagine what it must have been like at the time when queer people couldn't even see themselves really represented in the public eye. So definitely shout out to Boy George for his bravery and his courage to be himself. And Drew for being himself and figuring out who he was and the life that he has led partially through this moment with Boy George. So every episode, we ask our guests for their five most influential songs from the artist. So here are Drew's five most influential Boy George songs. Number five, It's a Miracle. Wait a minute. It's a Miracle. That's the song he did. That's his number five. Oh, <laughs> yes. It says in parentheses, for obvious reasons, yes. Lip Sync 1984, all caps, forever. The fact that he still likes that song after it bombs so much is really means he loves that song. Yeah. Number four, we have victims. Number three, time, in parentheses, clock of the heart. That's a great one. Number two, more than silence, 2014, their big comeback song that all caps never caught on. And number one, move away. So clearly Drew is a true, true fan. He's not choosing Karma Chameleon. He's choosing their comeback songs that never caught on. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know Drew, he loves 80s music. He does deep cuts on these albums and we love him for it. So we want to thank Drew and we want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Sonic Impact. We have a great season ahead of us. We have Van Halen, Keith Richards, Dolly Parton, you too, and many, many more. And if you think you have a great Sonic Impact story, please log on our website, sonicimpactpod.com, and tell us your story. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, and we will see you next time. Olivia, as always, fabulous to have you. We'll see you next week. Bye, Dad. Sonic Impact is a production of Sonic Impact Media. The podcast is produced, edited, and hosted by Elliot and Olivia Goldberg. The show is mixed and mastered by Justin Longerbeam. Music provided by Fundamental Music. Artwork designed by Keanu Narsico and Dan Hodgen. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wannabet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wannabet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. 
there. I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.